You're listening to The Over 50 Entrepreneur, the podcast that's dedicated to the business builders who are only getting started when most are winding down. This is the place to discover how to create more freedom from your business while growing the value of your business. Now here's your host, Rick Hadrava. Welcome everybody. This is Rick Hadrava, your host for another episode of the Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. You know, I have I have to admit to you that while I was preparing for today's episode, I felt kind of confident that I had a really good idea of who Tony Horton was as a professional and perhaps even as a person. After all, I've spent countless hours with Tony, Drea, Pam, and the rest of the crew sweating it out. You know, Tony's pushed me through those through those videos. He's encouraged me. And once in a while, he even made me laugh. But as I began to dig and take a little time to learn more about Tony, I realized really quickly that like all people, there is much, much more to this human being. I'm confident that you're going to enjoy our guest today. He is the creator of the best-selling fitness series, P90X, P90X 2 and 3, the 10-minute trainer, P90, and most recently, his 22-minute military-inspired workout, 22-minute hardcores. I'm really excited about that one because I just recently purchased it and can't wait to get started. Tony's a motivational speaker and author of top-selling books, Bring It, Crush It, and his recent book, The Big Picture, 11 Laws That Will Change Your Life. As if that's not enough, this one-time comedian has continued to focus on his passion for a healthy lifestyle by teaming up with the beauty experts at Ultimate Salon Professionals to create his very own line of hair and skincare products. I think what I admire most about Tony is his passion and the standards that he exudes, but I also enjoy his ability to laugh at himself. Guys, I think it's time we welcome Tony Horton to the Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast. Tony, welcome to the show. Oh, hello, Rick. Hello, everyone. It is I. Uh, it's great to be here with you, man. Really appreciate it, Tony. Hey, can I, I want to do something a little different. I did want to go back and, and talk a little about the early days of one-on-one you know, personal training, but I want to talk about motivational speaker for a second. I think that's an interesting word. And when I read that in your bio and then thought about you, I just had a question. Do you see yourself as a motivational speaker? And the reason I ask that is I see more, you know, you're a guy that does it. You're passionate. You've been doing it for a very long time. And I I think that just comes with it. So I was curious if motivational speakers is something that you consider yourself to be. Well, I often get hired as a motivational speaker. You know, I mean, it's not the main source of income. If it came down to income, uh, I wouldn't say that's top on the list. It's probably about fifth. But um, I, I like getting up in front of a large group of people and helping them understand the importance of a regular exercise and a healthy diet and how that improves not only their physical, but their mental and emotional state. It also helps improve memory and cognition and productivity and uh, and, and adds more joy and happiness and uh, longevity. There's so many aspects to to exercise and, and eating well uh, that most people are completely unaware of. I think most people do it for egotistical, not most, I would say, but quite a few do it for egotistical reasons. They want to look a certain way in front of a mirror or they want to impress their friends with their biceps or they want to look good in the wedding dress and all these types of things. 
And that's all fine, but you know, I'm there to help people understand that exercise is much more than that. It's really about productivity as much as anything else. I mean, as a, as a person who's taking care of themselves physically and in fueling themselves properly, not only with food, but with supplementation, um, it changes a myriad of, of, of things about, about people. And I don't think people are aware of that. So I like getting up and talking about that and sort of surprising people. I don't think a lot of people just assume that I'm going to get up and talk about, you know, how to lose weight and how to look good in clothes. And it's really much more than that. <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, it's funny when I fill out a form, you know, it says occupation. I don't usually write motivational speaker, you know, I'll write, you know, fitness program developer, because uh, that's what I've been doing the longest. And that's how I make uh, you know, most money these days still. Yeah. Well, well, I just I had to ask because, you know, I know there are some people out there and I think you fall into this category is you're motivational because you walk the walk. Right. And and I think you're passionate about what you want to do. And I see that in um, a number of speakers. But then I also see others where sometimes there's a lot of talk, but nothing behind it. And so I just I was curious on that. Yeah, I mean, I have I have about four or five PowerPoints, depending on what direction people want me to go in. So, you know, I mean, I do have materials uh, that are already set up and designed for different groups, corporate groups, you know, uh, people who own, you know, uh, fitness franchises, uh, you know, folks who are really struggling with, with, with weight and exercise. And I kind of, for those folks, it's just really, you know, it's more specific. Um, and I, obviously, if I'm going to a, uh, a corporate gig and they want to talk about, you know, entrepreneurship or something, that's a completely different conversation. So, um, yeah, yeah, but they all they are they're all based in the foundation of eating right and exercising. That's the, almost all of them are. But sometimes, you know, they move in different directions. You know, one of them is based purely on the book. You know, the the eleven laws will change your life, the big picture. So, you know, we just kind of go through the eleven laws. And then I have another seminar, uh, another um, talk where I I have another eleven, but they're different laws. You know, they kind of they build upon the original eleven. These are different than than the other ones. So. Um, I, I really enjoy it. I love getting on stage. I'm very animated. As you said, I was a one-time comedian. I think only <laughs> one time while I was a comedian was I funny. But, uh, but you know, you learn a lot from being on stage at 2 o'clock in the morning in front of a bunch of drunk people who would prefer rather be somewhere else. You know, it really thickens the skin. And uh, But it, it, it's fun. It's fun to get up on stage. And, you know, just like the workouts, I try to be as animated and, and as silly as I can be because I know that's one way to help um, keep people's attention span. Um, yeah, well, so I love it. That, I love getting on stage, whether it's just teaching a class, a workout, or, or actually doing some kind of public speaking. Do you, I'm just curious, um, on the topic of comedian, um, do you, do you ever get back out there on the stage? Have Absolutely you not. <laughs> you know, a friend of mine, a friend of mine is, uh, a friend of mine, Chris Titus, he goes by Titus by his last yes. name. Yeah. Uh, he and his wife, Rachel, they were at a local club here in LA. And we went out and watched the two of them. My wife and I went out and watched the two of them. Uh, and uh, it's just really fun to see people who are really good at that. You know what I mean? Who can really, they understand the math of, of, a, of a joke. You know, there's, a, there's the setup and there's the act out and there's the punchline. There's the tag, you know what I mean? And, the, and callbacks and lists of three, you know, like anything else, it, there's a formula to it. And, um, but it's, it's not an easy formula, right? There's, there's, I mean, you have to really put yourself out there on stage and be fearless and be topical. Um, and, you know, I got to, I have right now I have seven jobs that I, you know, I'm working with seven different companies. Um, and so 
you know, go standing in line to do an open mic in Burbank is not not on the list right now. Well, fair enough. You got a few things on your on your plate. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, it's it's interesting because one of the themes that I've I've heard you talk about is you know it's not it's not supposed to be easy, and when it's hard, you know, you've talked a little bit about working through the things that you fail at, um, and that's part of P ninety X, right? Is is you put some things in there that you're not going to get the first time. It takes time. Well, it, yeah. I mean, P90X, just like the rest of your life, is an education. It's not something you're supposed to just start and be able to do and see great results in a short period of time. It's not an elliptical machine, you know what I mean, where the, all you got to do is just kind of get on there, set the tension, and see how long you can last. You know, it's 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 a, an educational process. You know, I mean, I don't know anybody who went from third grade to grad school. You know, there's a whole bunch of steps in between. And P90X is that, but I, I condense a, a lifetime of fitness in 90 days, so that's not so terrible. Most people who are willing to stick out the three months and are willing to work on their weaknesses, inevitably will see ridiculous results. You know, if you look at P90X at 16 years old now, and when I get my royalty check every month, I still it's still the number one, you know, if I look at the list of P90X, X2, X3, 22-minute hardcore, Power 90, P90, all these different things. I don't know why more people are still buying P90X at 16 years old and, and Beachbody hasn't spent a dime on media in over 10 years. So, you know, there's something, you know, it was funny. I was talking to my wife today um, about it. You know, there's another organization that I'm going to start working with here pretty soon. I can probably talk to you about it later. But, you know, they, they want to, they uh, part of their team says, hey, we want new content all the time. You know, like, let's let's keep the new content up because people don't watch the same things two or three times. And I said, you know, who you, you know, have you ever heard of P90X? Right. People do it 20 times. They do it. They did it 16 years ago. They did it 10 years ago. They did it five years ago. They're doing it now. I mean, I don't know what it is about the program that people want to keep doing it because it's 16 years old. But to this date, there aren't a whole lot of other things out there that, that, that manage to get people in the best shape of their lives every time they do it, no matter how old they are. It, it's, it's because it's not one thing. It's not boxing. It's not just Pilates. It's not just yoga. It's not just weightlifting. It's not just cardio. It's everything. I mean, it's everything. If you do everything, you're working on your weaknesses and you're preventing boredom, injuries, and plateaus. That's it. Like, you know, I don't know. That's not like I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not super guru here. I'm just, I came up with stuff so I don't get bored. I don't get hurt. And I continue to see results. And I right. gave myself a decent, a decent period of time to do it. And so that's like even my sister. My sister started doing it for the first time after 10 years. And she's fit. She exercises and she goes to the gym and she does other programs. She's already she's six weeks in. And she says, I'm, at, I'm in getting in better results six weeks in than I have whatever I was doing for the last two years. <laughs> so, I mean, um, I don't know, man. I just, you know, I just I like I gravitate to things that work. And I had a bunch of celebrity clients I could use as, as, as test dummies, you know. so. You know, Billy Idol and Tom Petty and Bruce Springsteen, Annie Lennox, these folks, you know, I, I put them through the ringer early on before anybody knew who I was. And I discovered early on because there was so much at stake from movie stars and rock stars that, you know, their management said, hey, you know, we're paying you a lot of money. This guy's going on tour. This person's going to be, you know, in a major motion picture. Make it work. And so, you know, the last thing a lot of these folks want to do is have me beat the crap out of them at their house for an hour a day. So you got to you got to come up with a, you know a magic bag of tricks to keep them interested so that they're seeing results and feeling good and not getting hurt. And so when it comes to the tour or the film, they're ready to go. 
I did. I just did that, but I just did that on DVDs, and we we sold eleven million copies of them. Right. It it obviously resonates. Um, even my wife w- was telling me the other day when she knew we were going to jump on this call and 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 chat. She she said, you know, we moved about a year ago, and she can't find her P ninety X DVDs. She wants to know where they are. Um, she still she still wants to do those. So I absolutely get what you're saying. Let let's oh, go hey. back. Yeah, I know people. You give me your address, I'll send you some. <laughs> Appreciate it. Well, listen, you know, I think most people have have heard your story at this point, and and I don't want to take away from that. But what I'm interested in, um, because our audience is, is is more of an entrepreneurial group, is you know, you really took personal training one on one, something that was fairly new early on, and you scaled it. Right. I mean, that that's what what you did with Beachbody. And I'm curious, you know, talk a little bit. You, you, I've heard you tell the story of something that that you forced yourself to do as part of your own personal development in reaching out and doing something for somebody that you didn't necessarily like. Right. And I'm interested. Would you share that story? Because I think it, it was a big moment in the evolution of of where you, you took your business? Well, it was certainly a tipping point, you know, for me. Um, you know, a lot of things happened prior to the point where I was, I was training some celebrities, you know, I mean, well, you know, when I, when I started working out and, and being more consistent and being better with my diet. And, uh, but that entire time, even when I was just flat broke, you know, living hand to mouth, could barely pay my rent and, and bills. I was really heavily into the personal development. You know, I mean, I was reading every book I could. Richard, Richard Carlson and Deepak Chopra and Andrew Weil and Tony Robbins and M. Scott Peck and Keith Ellis. And, you know, I mean, if you're a Eckhart Tolle, I mean, you know, whether it be sort of a spiritual thing or a, or a, or a business thing or relationship road, you know what I mean? Uh, I mean, yeah. I had all these books and I would just go from one to another and I would I would, you know, I would underline passages and I'd save them and I'd write them down. And, and I would, I discovered every time I was doing this personal development stuff that there was a lot of material, a lot of behavioral things that I was not doing. And often these books would mention bad behavior that I was doing, right? So I thought, oh, what's the math on this? Let's see. Let's stop the bad behavior stuff. All right. Stop procrastinating, you know, stop being inconsistent, you know, stop hanging around the wrong kind of people. And start to make those changes, right? And um, and that was the early stages. And one of the books, uh, at, at the end of every chapter, there was a lesson. And one of the simple lessons was, go out of your way and do something really nice for somebody that maybe you don't like or you're in conflict with or you haven't talked to in years or whatever it is. And uh, and just see what happens. And, you know, it might not be a positive outcome, but just do it for the sake of doing it because it's the right thing to do. So all that negative bad energy that you have about somebody that's sitting there weighing on you and eating at your soul and and uh, helping cancer cells grow inside of your your uh, pancreas. Maybe you should just let all that go and go do something nice for this person. And you know, I used to play basketball on Saturdays with a group of lawyers, and there was this one guy in particular that was just a uh, just somebody I did not like, and I didn't think he liked me. And and uh, between games, and we'd play about three or four games on a Saturday morning. And he was kind of complaining about his weight to some of his lawyer buddies. He wasn't talking to me. I mean. You know, if I this would happen on this particular day, we were on the same team. You know, you pick teams, and uh, we happened to win, and I didn't play poorly for a change. So you know, he was 
uh, aggressive with me or anything. And uh, and I went up to him and I thought, oh, go out of your way and do something nice. So I offered to work, train the guy. And I thought for sure he'd say no. I mean, he was a very, very well-known, not well-known, but he was very successful, um, wealthy attorney who had access to all the best trainers and equipment in the world. And uh, and he just said, yeah, wow, that's cool. Give me your phone number. And so the following Monday, I started training him in my apartment. I mean, this guy left his beautiful home on the west side of L.A. and came to my funky <laughs> apartment um, in a not-so-great neighborhood. And we started working out. And a year later, he introduced me to Carl Deichler. And Carl Deichler was, was you know, now the now CEO of, of Beachbody. And at that time, in, in the year, it was like 1999, 1998, <clears throat> um, Carl was a nobody. He was just some kid out of Philly that was really ambitious and he was a go-getter and, and, and this guy, Ben wanted to hire him. And so he said, Hey, I got this young kid. He wants to come, you know, can he come to work out with me in the morning once in a while? You know, he's really ambitious. He loves to train. I said, yeah, bring him along. So Carl and I became friends and, and, uh, Carl was working for Ben, the guy that I didn't like, who I went up to and said, you want to train with me? And this was a year later and Ben had showed up every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, from the day I, you know, the day I talked to him on the basketball court to the day I, he introduced me to Carl, and um, and Carl and I just hit it off, and he just liked the, my my, you know, he you know he'd show up to clubs when I was doing stand up, and and uh, we just became friends. We went to some ski trips together, and and he said, you know what, I'm doing this stuff over at, at this company, and I I don't really like the types of infomercials I'm doing. I want to get back into fitness. That's kind of my thing, and. So let me talk to Ben and see if you and I can do a little side thing. We did. It was called Great Body Guaranteed with this with this other gal called Debbie Sievers. And it was just, to me, it was just another acting job. You know, I mean, I was like, all right, I'll get paid $2,000, show up for like four days in a row and and do some workouts on the beach, you know. Um, and, and the weird thing was that it worked. You know, a lot of things don't work in the infomercial world. There's a lot of people, hundreds of people will try to put all their time, money, and energy into something. And it just fails miserably. because when you buy media, right? I mean, you buy wild spots, whether they're in Kansas City, Missouri, or Miami Beach, or or, or Portland, Oregon, or you know New York City. You buy these; they're very expensive. You're buying this little spot in some part of the country, and you you put down like sixteen grand, and you sell three grand worth of stuff. You can only do that for so many weekends before you run out of money, right? So we put these we put these spots out there, and they made money every time we we, we you know put these these little short infomercials out there where they would make money and investors noticed. And then we were able to make power 90 and power 90 was before P90X. A lot of people aren't even aware of power 90, but we sold like three or 4 million copies, which was insane because all we did was tell the truth. We said, Hey, you got to eat right and exercise five days a week. And it's going to be hard. You in or not, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? People were like, damn, I'm in. <laughs> you know, and so I didn't have to live in that apartment anymore. I got to move out of there and buy a five bedroom, four bedroom home. And, and it was a kind of a, you know, a miraculous jump from, you know, in debt and broke to uh, being part of a thing that did really well. And then I was in this big old house with no furniture because the mortgage was more than I anticipated, of, of course. And then what do we do next? We do P90X and uh, P90X became the biggest thing ever. So I was able to, you know invest and put some furniture in the house and buy a nice car and, and not stress out so much anymore. So, you know, I mean, the, the point of that story, that long-winded story is uh, no man is an island. So expand your tribe, expand your tribe. I don't care if you're, if it's, you know, get rid of the chaff, get rid of the people in your life that are just hangers on and wannabes, 
finger pointers, get them out. I don't care if it's your cousin or your brother or whoever it is, man, but you limit your time with the kind of people that act as human anchors on your life. And I've done it. I've had those hard conversations. I had a conversation with a buddy of mine. I just said, hey, man, you and I are not on the same page. You're drinking too much and and you, you know, you're bitching and whining too much. And I, I, I'm sorry, man, you know, uh, and maybe you disagree with me and we have, you just think we have different opinions, but I, I think we need a break. You know, I don't, I just, when you, you know, when you feel like you want to hang out with me and you want to behave differently, then, you know, you give me a call. And I've done that with family members, you know, because I don't, I don't have time, man. I, uh, life is too short. And I, I'm, I'm constantly in search of, of people who want to live large and, you know, and take charge. And, uh, and as a result, you know, you're searching out and I'm even like, and every once in a while, you got to rescue people. And, and, and maybe there's people out there that you're not getting along with and do something nice for them. You never know. Your life could right. change as dramatically as mine did. So, so Tony, so was, was power 90, was that the breakthrough where you said, Hey, I think, you know, we've got something here that, that could be much larger. And that is what led you into the P90X. Or was P90X kind of your your jumping point to say, let's see if we can get something scaling? Well, now keep in mind, I, I was a I was a hired gun for a large fitness company, and my job was, hey, can you go? Can you create this thing? You know, I mean, when Carl came to me and he said, when we came to Power Ninety, he says, like, what do you do with Tom Petty and Billy Idol and these guys when you get them ready for a tour? Like, what do those workouts look like? And I basically explained them. I said, it's like five or six days a week, and we rotate. Upper body, lower body, cardio, non-cardio, like cardio hypertrophy or, or weightlifting or, or body weight resistance. You know, because my, my understanding was that you want to be able to be consistent, but you don't want to keep hammering the same body parts. And so as a result, you got to come up with a good combination that involves, you know, things outside of just, of just cardio and weight training, which is where the industry was stuck. And it still is for that matter. I don't know why, you know, so we worked, we did a lot of speed work. We did some stuff on heavy bags. We did yoga. We did a lot of balance stuff, obviously, because, you know, balance and speed and and uh, and range of motion slash flexibility is as important as the cardio and weight training, because it, it, if you add those three other elements to cardio and weight training, then then you, A, you won't get hurt. Um, and it's more interesting. So you prevent the boredom and you're continuing to see results. So the the yoga and the Pilates and the cardio allows the body to grow more dramatically without injury while doing, you know, weight training and, and body weight training. So at least that was my understanding. I mean, you know, they used to call that periodization training. We called it muscle confusion, which is just a made up term yeah. to explain what we were doing. So, but yeah, Power 90 was, um, you know, he just said, hey, what does that look like? And so, but you can't have machines and you can't have a rower and you can't have a heavy bag. And so I had to kind of, you know, develop something that was something the average person could do in their living room or basement with a, in, a, in a six by six foot space or less. And that was a bit challenging, but I figured it out. Yeah. So so what I'm just curious uh, from a business perspective, you know, you you brought this experience, you know, all your knowledge that you had gained training um, the celebrities that, that you had trained and you had results to show for it. So when when you and Carl when you went into business together, can you what what was what was that uh, dynamic like? You know, did you both have ownership in Beachbody? Um, 
were you, you were just paid to to deliver the content. Would you share with us what kind of how that morphed itself? Yeah, early on, I had no, mem- no membership whatsoever. I, I was a glorified employee of the company. You know, I was an outside contractor. So, you know, I I searched around, find myself a good attorney, somebody I really liked and trusted, who was in that industry, who you know had done those kinds of deals before, and so. Their lawyers and my lawyer, we went back and forth, I don't know how many times before everybody was happy with the numbers, you know, and the numbers were, what do I get paid up front? What do I get paid during? What do I get paid after completion? And what do my royalty rates look like? And how long is my contract? And what are my other obligations outside of, of just the, the uh, you know, the, the, the creation of it and the being part of the media aspect of it? So, you know, I had all these different appearances. I had to shoot the infomercial, a lot of different things. So I was basically a hired, hired gun. At that stage in my life, I was not a businessman who was starting an organization who, who made this thing happen. There were there were dozens and dozens of other people that Carl had hired within the Beachbody organization that were doing all that all that stuff. You know what I mean? All the pre-production, post-production, casting, makeup, media buys. You know what I mean? Overhead for you know keeping the lights on, keeping enough pencils and paper in the building. You know, I wasn't involved with any of that stuff. I was just a hired gun. I'm I'm more involved now that I'm involved with seven new companies. You know, I'm more the boss than I've ever been, and so the the roles have changed. And as a result of having approximately 23 failed businesses um, between you know when I first became successful and known for P90X and those other programs, and now you know I've learned a lot. And it took 23 damn businesses to figure that out. That's a whole lot of money wasted down the drain. But you know, <laughs> I mean, but it's all you know, great lessons learned. You know, I just I just assumed that I had to, uh, you know, delegate properly and everything would get done. But I mean, the buck stops here. And so I have to be the one that's on top of people, regardless of how much I delegate. You know what I mean? I have to have the me- weekly meetings and the weekly phone calls and the, and the constant emails and the and the and we've got to set goals and deadlines and all these things I never had to worry about before. You know what I mean? But whatever, you know, it's all part of it. It's all part of being an entrepreneur, right? I mean, well, I was going to say, I, you know, we, we have that issue and we have that conversation a lot. It's not uncommon, you know, as a business owner, we're, you know, we encourage delegation and automation. And quite frankly, once in a while, there are things that need to be eliminated, right? But what I, I see that trap of delegation often, we can't just delegate and, and say, okay, go do this. This is what I want to have happen without the inspection, right? Some sort of measurement. Right. Um, to, right. to keep your, your your finger on the pulse. So it, it's a very good point. You know, I look at those 23 failures. Um, that's a really good college education, right? You learn it a few sure things. Along. What's the it biggest sure thing? If, if you were to take a second and think about those failures, is, is there a core lesson that you've learned or a most valuable lesson um, that's helped you, you know, succeed as you now have seven other businesses that you're working with? Um, ask more questions. Don't be attached to the outcome. Um, and it's my job to fo- follow through um, and check in on, on, on where we are in the process of whatever we're doing. You know, I can't, I can't, I mean, I have a manager and I have a lawyer and I have an assistant and I have a, I, you know, I have a, actually two assistants. And then I have partners, you know, in all these different companies. And so I think where a lot of people, a lot of people have a certain amount of, of confusion and questions and and uh, and issues uh, that go unattended. 
for too long with the assumption that somehow it's all going to work itself out because you hired the right people to deal with it. Nope. You know what I mean? Like whenever I don't know the exact answer, an exact date, an exact um, conclusion to something, I get on the horn. I just get on the horn or I write a quick email or, or I set up a meeting. My assistant says, I need to get blah, blah, blah on the phone. I need to get these three. Like what, what, like this because the communication through email is like one step above carrier pigeon. In my opinion, it's like uh, too much business is done where people are texting and emailing each other. And so get on the phone, get on the phone, get on the phone, or let's have a meeting. Where's the meeting? Let's meet at a restaurant. Let's meet down in, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm doing this fitness equipment deal and we're doing back and forth. On an email, and I said, I don't care where's this place. It's it's an hour and a half away. I'm gonna get in my freaking car. I'm gonna go to the warehouse. We're all gonna get there, all ten of us, and we're gonna sit in the same room. We're gonna figure this out. And then you know, then we're gonna have our NDAs, and we're gonna sign our contracts. We're gonna look at what this equipment's gonna look like. What's the logo look like? You know, we got space in the warehouse, right? You know, there's just so much more that gets done. And people are trying to, you know, entrepreneurs are trying to get everything done by themselves via email and text. I, I agree. I made those early mistakes, you know. Yeah, well, we want to be efficient with our time, but to your point, that that leads to a lot of problems um, later on. Let me let me circle back. You you made a comment. Don't be attached to the outcome. Sh- share with us what what did you mean by that? Well, you know, I think sometimes we we see we don't see the forest from the trees. I don't know if that's the right analogy, but but uh, you know, we have such high expectations. You know, we want to see, let's say, you know, like uh, I write about it in my book about reverse engineering something, you know what I mean? And so you see, like my goal is to climb Kilimanjaro and, you you know, it's easy to see yourself on top of Kilimanjaro, but, you know, you're 35 pounds overweight. And you've never pair, had a pair of crampons on. You don't even know where to go buy them, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, okay, so you're on top of Everest. What's the day before look like? What's the day before that look like? You're like, who are the people you've talked to? Who are the, what are the phone calls you made? Like, what are all the... What are all the preparations so that you end up eventually end up on the top of Kilimanjaro? And that's, I think, a lot more steps than than uh, other people realize. Um, and by the way, you might not get to the top. You might do all this work and, oh, a boulder fell on your foot or you ended up with, uh, you know, altitude sickness. You know what I mean? So anticipate that things aren't going to go the way you want. Um you know, I mean, I don't know how many people started P90X who had 100 pounds to lose and showed up two or three times a week and missed workouts left and right. And we're all disappointed that it didn't, didn't get what they wanted. Um, you know, so you have to be you have to be super tenacious. You got to work really hard. You got to be very consistent no matter what it is you got to do. Like some friend of mine said, what's the what are the what's the key to really, you know, with this whole diet and exercise thing? Like in, in a nutshell, I said all the time. All the, all I mean, all the time means you eat all the time, you sleep all the time, you go to work all the time, you breathe all the time. Why you do all those things all the time to be to survive? I said, well, if you want to thrive, it's got to be all the time. You know, when it comes to exercise and, and building your business and, and being consistent with your diet. Oh, and by the way, the whole thing can go to shit. So keep your expectations <laughs> down. <laughs> so, like, so you know, don't make it about the expectations. You know, uh, Dan, Dan Millman, Dan Millman, who wrote uh, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior in the book, he says, uh, what time is it now? Where are we here? That's probably enough. You know, we're here now. What do you got to do? And then the next hour will come and the next day will come and the next week will come. And, you know, there's too much inconsistency. There's too much 
a lack of communication um, and their and people's expectations are so over the top that if something doesn't go right along the way, they get really dis disappointed and quit. You know, like I, when I was on QVC for the first time, we're trying to sell, I don't know if it was Power 90. I think it might have been Power 90 before P90X. And they go, oh, Tony, there'll be, you know, 27 million people looking in. Um, uh, how do you feel about that? I go, well, A, I'm not attached to the outcome. And B, I have very low expectations. <laughs> so it took all the pressure off. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. I went in prepared, you know, and I knew what I knew. I built the program from scratch. But it wasn't like I was, you know, ah, biting my fingernails off because I had such high expectations and that I was so attached to a certain number. I mean, the people at QVC were attached to a number and we ended up exceeding it, you know, just because I was relaxed and prepared and said what I had to say. And if the whole thing had gone to crap, I would have gone, well, that was a fun experience. See you later. You know, I mean, to, to fail 23 times in businesses and to continue to want to do business, most people would have crapped out at 10 or five, you know, or 15. Right. But I just like, oh, okay, awesome lesson. Don't do that again. You know, let's see, insoles, mouth guards, um, you know, home delivery food companies. I mean, you know, it goes on and on. Watches, well, is, I had my own watch for a while. I was all excited. <clears throat> Tony, this is a, so this is a good transition to, to a question that I, I, I want you to 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 share not a, a question I have for you to share, but really, and you, you're spot on with this stuff. It's it's the journey, it's the learning, it's the pivot, right? Because ultimately, it's not giving up and and every day doing something different, moving forward. But you've had this career. You got a great story, you know, working out with these rock and roll stars and celebrities. You, you hit Beachbody, P90X success, all this is going on. You're everywhere. Everybody knows Tony. And then you end up having a battle with Ramsey Hunt syndrome. Mm -hmm. you share, are you willing to share? Will you share that with our, our audience and kind of what happened? And, you know, talk about something that, that changes your outcome. Well, you know, it can happen to anybody. You could be going to an intersection. Somebody goes through a red light in your whole life. is completely different. Maybe you don't survive or maybe you lose a leg or, you know I mean? These types of things happen to people every day. You go to a concert in Las Vegas and some maniac decides to, you know, put a bump stock yeah. on an automatic weapon and you're dodging bullets. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just a crazy world. And so for me, you know, things were going along pretty good and um, um, I was feeling pretty good, but I was under a lot of stress that I wasn't aware of. I mean, I think a lot of times when we're under stress, um, because it's so gradual, you know, it's a conversation that turns into an event that ends up being, you know, has a bad outcome. And all of a sudden there's this angst and sadness and depression and, and, and stress that was unpredictable. But you think you're dealing with it. And I wasn't. I mean, I was exercising like a maniac. And I thought that was the answer to sort of deal with the stress working out every day. And in reality, what I needed was a jacuzzi or a or Epsom salt bath or, you know, I don't know what. Um, but yeah, so so I, I wasn't aware of um, what I was dealing with, and so you know my adrenal glands were through the roof. My cortisol levels were were probably higher than I had known, and um, I wasn't eat. I was I had changed my diet prior to all that, and I was probably mildly malnourished because I wasn't eating enough calories and I was dehydrated. And there's a weird number of things as I look back. At that time, it all seemed normal, and I figured I'd get through it, you know. And then. Sure. Um, 
one night I just had this screaming, incredible headache. I thought, man, I don't get headaches. I mean, what's that about? about? You know, and then within a, within four or five days, I'm in the hospital. I'm vomiting in the waiting room. I've got this huge rash in my ear, which ended up being shingles, right? So I had the chicken pox virus as a kid and it pops up anywhere and everywhere. Oh, it happened to pop up in my ear. And when you when it ends up in your ear, quite often, the fifth, sixth and seventh facial nerves uh, that control your equilibrium are, are destroyed. And that all happened to me. And I caught it late. You know, I thought, you know, I, I thought, oh, man, maybe I just did something in my yoga class where I kind of tweaked my neck. And I thought that's what it was. I thought I pinched a nerve. And so, you know, never having been that sick before, I just assumed it was something physical from overtraining. And then, you know, before I knew it, I was diagnosed with this thing called Ramsey-Hunt syndrome, which is, um, you know, you can't eat, you can't drive, you can't exercise, you can barely think, you've got like three levels of tinnitus in your ear, you're, you can't, you, you know, you, you can't stand up or walk in a straight line, so it, it creates incredible nausea, which, you know, obviously causes all the vomiting. So I lost 25 pounds, I was bedridden for months, and... um and, and, you know, talk about your level of, uh, a friend of mine is dealing with shingles now, and she's got it um, on her face, but not in her ear. And uh, she said, I've had kidney stones twice and three kids, and this is 10 times. The pain is 10 times both of those things. Wow. And so it's just excruciating. I mean, it, it, you know, when I look, look back at it, I mean, I would just crawl up into a ball and just sob in my wife's lap because it was so painful. And you're taking all these crazy meds for nausea and for the dizziness and and when, the, when these meds come together inside your system, it, it creates more problems, you know. And I mean, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't get out of a car when I used to go to the doctor. My wife used to have to hold on to me. I, I looked like a 100-year-old man. And, um, you know, 25 pounds is a lot of weight to lose off a 175-pound frame. And, uh, you know, all my muscles atrophied, and it was pretty horrendous. I couldn't – I had to cancel everything, every event that I had, every public speaking event, every, you know, all the – programs that I was supposed to be shooting all had to all had to come to a screeching halt and then you know that was October 2017 November December come January I was trying I was trying things again I was trying to move again and exercise again but and to this day I mean here it is we're end of 2019 you know almost September of 2019 I still suffer from um, something called bilateral vestibular hypofunction which is which is the unstableness that it's not vertigo it's not going in circles it's sort of like um it feels it quite often feels like uh anywhere from a 1.8 to a 4.7 earthquake all the time like we had an we had a couple of earthquakes here in LA a while back and like oh my god did you feel that i go yeah there you go that's what i feel like all <laughs> the time yeah, so Welcome you get to used my to world. it yeah you get used to it I've been to Walter Reed Army Hospital talking to kids who got both their legs blown off. You know what I mean? And they kind of put and in you, perspective. Yeah. yeah. There's one kid that was there, both legs above his knees, his left arm above his elbow, and all he had was his uh, index finger, middle finger, and the finger next to that. He lost his pinky and thumb on that hand. So think about that, man. And so I walk. I'm a little dizzy when I walk. So what? You know yeah. what I mean? Like everybody, people have so much, they have so many excuses and, and they don't have to, it's, you know, you just gotta pull yourself up by the bootstraps and get up and go regardless and, of what your situation is. And I think that that's, what's interesting, Tony, is you've been so successful, you've had all the success. And 
I can I can absolutely hear people. Oh, see, look what happened to Tony. But you didn't let that define you. But at the same time, did it did it change the way that you approached anything? I'm much more relaxed now. I mean, I'm always telling myself, don't get all aggro about whatever this, whatever you think that is. I still do. You know, it's the nature of who I am. But to counteract that sort of um, state of angst that I find myself in. Because um, I guess, you know, I always talk about not being a perfectionist, not being attached to the outcome, but I want things to be a certain way. I want to move and groove at a certain pace. I want to get things done. I want answers. I want solutions. You know, I mean, I want my T's crossed and my I's dotted. And when people around me aren't m- moving and grooving at the same pace I am, I have a tendency to get a little frustrated with folks, which is not my best trait. But so, you know, like I said, to counteract that. You know, I mean, I I got in a I got in a tub yesterday in the middle of the day at two thirty, Epsom salt bass, and I I was in there for forty five minutes in the middle of the day. Now a lot of persons who have nine to five jobs at the work at work they're not going to do that, but you know we come home we have a couple of beers or something or whatever, and in reality there's so many things that we can do to help the pendulum swing to the other side. You know whether it's foam rolling or yoga or reading to your kids or going for a walk in nature or Whatever it is, just something that is not about your computer or about your phone or about your business or or about your work or about traffic or about your, you know, your CrossFit workout. You know, I mean, there needs to be yeah. there needs to be the other end of the spectrum. And so I do that all the time and I don't you know, I don't feel guilty about it. I take naps. I take like four naps a week. I'm wasted. <laughs> I'm taking a nap just like like uh, like it's an episode of Mad Men. You know what I mean? I'm going to close the door. Don't talk to me for 20 minutes because I'm taking a nap. And before I used to feel so guilty about that. But now it's like, no, man, you're working hard enough. You're getting things done, you know. So that that brings up what my next question for you, Tony, is uh, successful as you are. You know, one of the things when we when we do our workshops, we work with business owners you know, the whole foundation is around freedom, right? Which is the American dream after all. And I, I think w- we would all agree that I like the saying freedom isn't free. It takes a lot of work, but you've achieved a level of freedom for yourself. So I'm curious because as I read about some of the stuff that you're working on and like the Paragon event that you do, um, I, I think I see like you're redefining what freedom means for Tony Horton so in your mind or in your words, what, what is freedom to you as an entrepreneur? Uh, you know, I, I, right now I'm in the middle of, uh, and this is to set up that answer. I'm working on a supplement line with a company called Golden, Hip, uh, Golden Hippo. They're a, a media company and they've done, they do work with Dr. Gundry and others. And, uh, you know, we've, I've done 10 different shoots with them to get this stuff ready. You know, looking at fonts, looking at labels, looking at packaging, looking at ingredients, tasting ingredients, playing with flavors, shooting the, you know, the infomercial we're going to shoot. You know, that for most people, that would be their job. And now I'm also working with Tonal. Tonal is this amazing piece of equipment um, that is it's basically a piece of fitness equipment and a computer on your wall. You know, no, no thicker than a couple decks of cards, but it's this beautiful, amazing thing. So I'm building content, helping develop talent for them. Working for John Maxwell, who's one of the top leadership coaches in the world. He's written, you know, so many books on on leadership, like the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership is one of them that I've been reading recently. And doing a whole uh, health and wellness program for them. Working with Kroger Foods, 
trying to help their 595,000 employees. I'm doing a, an event for them in Cincinnati in October. Uh, Jewel and I, you know, Jewel, the singer, who's really into mindfulness. I'm going to be doing the fitness. She'll be doing the mindfulness, doing something with them. Of course, I've shot 21 workouts for Guy and Fit TV and Yoga. And, um, you know, there's more content for them. And I'm working on my own uh, fitness line, you know, mats and smash balls and med balls and stability balls and sandbags and all kinds of things. And then I'm working on a program, a fitness program, that's just for boomers, just for, you know, people, our cast will be 45 years and up. I mean, not to say that people who are 25 and 35 won't enjoy it, but, you know, it's just to show that old people can still kick ass and take names. And of course, there's the Paragon events. We've done two this year. We've got one more in November. Um, so there's eight things right there. So where would one find the downtime uh, <laughs> between all that and having a really nice conversation with you? Um, it's just it's just about, you know, scheduling and planning. And, you know, I mean, I, I look at my schedule every day. It's all planned out a month in advance. And it goes, you know, I have stuff planned out till 2020 already. And, you know, I see windows. I, I mean, I look at windows, you know, uh, the other day I had a sh shoot at 730. Um, uh, a quickie. I had a workout at 9:15. Um, I had a meeting at two o'clock, and then I had a uh, uh, I had a a weekly call at five. So there were windows in there. So there was a nap in there. Uh, there was a walk in the in the in in the neighborhood with my dog in there. Um, and then there was some hanging out in the backyard, uh, you know, looking at the view and 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 drinking my shake with my wife in there. <laughs> you know what I mean? There was room in there. And right. so like the whole day doesn't have to be, you know, I mean, I'm an entrepreneur, right? Regular folks can't do that. But we're talking about people over 50 who are trying to do this stuff. I think what happens to a lot of folks is they feel like the entire day has to be loaded with um, stressful things, decision making and meetings. Um, and I just I spread things out. I, I'll, you know, instead of keep jamming everything in, I spread things out over the course of the month. And as an entrepreneur, there's things that I do, you know, after dinner, you know, I mean, I'll, you know, I'll sit down and deal with the emails and things later in the day so I can have more time with my dog and the walk and my wife and nap. Um, this so, is the way I operate. I'm not saying that to everybody, but, you know, my Paragon event, we had 28 people here. And, um, you know, I talk one of the one of the, the seminar, one of the 11 things I talk about, is, it's called love and anger. And uh, so I ask people to write down. Um, who do you love and why do you love them? Like, well, you know, when you love somebody, think about the energy that, that occurs when you're really around people that you truly care about. I'm not talking about your wife and your kids, but, you know, your friends and your aunts and your uncles, your cousins. And like, who else beyond your circle do you really care about? Like, what charities do you like? Ah, oh, you know, do you give to charities? Raise your hand if you don't give to charities. And I was shocked to see that some people just don't give any money to anybody, which is, you know, these are people can afford to come to my camp and they don't. They're not helping, you know, gun victims or, or clean water or starving orphans in Africa. Nobody, nothing. Okay. You might want to do that. Interesting. And then how, who do you hate? Like, you know what I mean? And man, we spent an hour and a half on hate. <laughs> like, really? You might want to have a conversation so you can figure out maybe you don't hate that person. Go out of your way, do something really nice for them, and they might make you rich. <laughs> right. you know I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, so these are things that that are in our life. And sometimes they're this sort of amorphous energy that we're not really paying close attention to. But when you break it down, who do I love? Why do I love who's in my life? Like who's in your tribe? You know, and a lot of these people that were at my event 
don't have a tribe. They don't have people outside of their family and people at work that they hang out with. So, you know, they don't, they're not part of a bike club or rock climbing club or a, or a, you know, whatever a group of people who are doing something that's interesting outside of their comfort zone. And so I told everybody to sort of look around their neighborhood and, you know, raise your hand if you wanted to learn how to play the guitar or sing or learn another language. I mean, it just, it's not about the, that it's about the camaraderie and the connections and the expanding of your tribe. You know what I mean? So right. that, those, that's how I spend my downtime. You know, I'm always, I mean, I, on Monday nights for Playa, I have as many as 30 people here in my backyard, you know? Well, um, what I hear, what I, would it be safe to say, Tony, that freedom for you is you're at a point where you get to choose the bigger things that you want to spend your time with. While still managing eight different projects. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Well, listen, this this has been great. Um, and I really appreciate it. We're coming towards the end of our hour. And um, if if somebody wants to learn more or get reconnected with the stuff that you're doing, Tony, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Uh, my website's the best place. Uh, um, TonyHortonLife.com is my name, the word life.com. And, um, you know, you can come to my live events. We, we have these Paragon events three a year or November event. I don't know when this is going to air, but we still have for the November event. Here it is, August. We still have six spaces open. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, November is a harder one to book up because it's a weird time of year and it's Thanksgiving and the holidays and kids are in school. So it's a little tough, but still we managed to get, you know, just short of, uh, of uh, six people here. The uh, March and August one booked up right away. So if you want to, you know, if you want to check out 2020, Tony Horton Life, uh, you, if you want to find my TH Apparel, um, I have a line of t-shirts, which are kind of fun, Tony Horton sayings on there. Um, you know, you can check check out Tony Horton Apparel there. TH Care, my skin and hair, hair care line is there. Also, if you're a skier or a snowboarder, I do an annual event in Jackson Hole. We just do yoga and ski all over the mountain, uh, which is really fun. That's a small event. That's only we max out at 40 people for that event. So, um, and you know, any kind of public speaking events where you can come and attend in your local area, that'll all be on, on TonyHortonLife.com. That sounds great. Well, Tony, Tony, as we come to the end of the show, is there anything that, you know, you're addressing the bulk of our audience, which again is the over 50 entrepreneur, anything that, that you would leave, you know, parting kind of comments, thoughts with that group? You know, one of the things I talk about a lot is um, purpose. You know, why are you doing what you're doing? And if if, it, if your purpose is true to who you really are and what you really want to be on this planet, then chances are you're going to show up for it more often than if it's just something somebody else thought you should do. You know what I mean? Hey, Tony, you should rep you should rep some these water filter systems. Oh, okay, that's failed business number eighteen. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, somebody else makes a lot of bread doing it because they're into it. I, I don't, you know, I have a water filter, but I don't want to put my time and energy in that. So, you know, there's a great book, uh, Keith Ellis's book, The Magic Lamp. If you're listening in and you haven't read that book, it's, 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 that book is one of the main reasons why I do what I do because it helped guide me uh, to this place where I'm doing what I love. And uh, Keith Ellis, The Magic Lamp. And the other thing is prioritizing. I think far too often people want to do the easy, simple things like, you know, organizing sock drawers and doing your laundry when that should be done after 6 p.m. All that ancillary, silly crap that just takes up a bunch of your time that you know how to do and it's really easy. 
do it after 6 p.m. and uh, and the things that really matter to help you become a you know a productive person with a, with a good career and a good lifestyle. That all happens between nine and six, and uh, so prioritize. Do those things first, as hard as they are, and then set yourself some goals. You know what I mean? Like, what do you want? You know, like, if you see yourself on top of Kilimanjaro, then reverse engineer that all the way to the point where to the point where you're sitting there thinking, "Oh, I want to go climb Kilimanjaro." <laughs> you know what I mean? On top, day before, packing up your tent, getting your clothes together, bottom of the mountain, shaking hands with the Sherpas. You know, at the airport in uh, Kathmandu, wherever the heck it is. You know what I mean? Uh, re- reverse engineer that and see what it happens. See what happens, but don't be attached to the outcome because it probably won't go the way you want it to go. And last but not least, is set yourself some deadlines. My whole thing is deadlines. Like I'll get on phone calls and I always say, "What's the first step? What are the deadlines? What's our? What's your first step? What's my first step? Oh, NDA. Okay, let's sign them. I, I, I have an assistant. She'll send them to you. If you don't like the way it reads, send me send me another version." All right, now, now, good. What's my role? What's your role? Let, when, when do you want to have this thing done? Ah, okay. Uh, uh, December 31st, end of the fourth quarter, 2019. All right, what do we got to do rock and roll before we you know, get there? Instead of, I mean, you know, figure out your purposes, prioritize, set some goals, and give yourself deadlines. I love it. Love it. Tony, again, man, thank you for being on the show. This has been great. And um, I don't think our audience is going to be disappointed one bit. So, well, I hope not. <laughs> Everybody, I just again. Hey, my well, you know what, Rick? What's I'm that? Not attached to the outcome, man. So. There you go. Well, you know what? The, I I just know this outcome will be great. So I've got a lot of confidence, guys. I'm Rick Hadrava. This is the Over Fifty Entrepreneur Podcast. Remember, you're just getting started. Every day, let's move the needle just a little. Until next time, thank you for joining us on today's show. The Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast is sponsored by Epic Business Advisory, where we help entrepreneurs escape the owner's trap, build businesses that can succeed without you, allowing you the opportunity to realize more freedom, think bigger, and pursue next-level goals. Download our freedom formula at epicsbiz.com formula. And remember, we're only getting started.